0: Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I wanted to write a really snappy intro to capture and get you to lean in today because it's been a while since I've been preaching. But then, as I've stated, there's 41 verses to cover. And as much as everyone loves a snappy, captivating intro story, sometimes... You just got to jump into the story. So, Mr. Schulteis, that is exactly what we are going to do. If you brought your Bibles, you can open them up to Genesis chapter 41. If not, the text is going to be there in the bulletin. It will also appear behind me on the screen. And as we go into this story of Joseph, as we look at the Word of God today and we let it speak to us and show us something about Jesus, something about ourselves, we open our hearts and minds to hearing the story and let us allow God to work on our hearts, As we look at this text this morning together from Genesis chapter 41, when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream and he was standing by. The Now, because we've jumped a whole chapter ahead from where Pastor Tim took us through last week in the story, I'm going to quickly get us up to speed. Now, Potiphar, after he had thrown Joseph into prison, Joseph, after some time, met two people, a baker and a cupbearer who had recently also been thrown into jail, and they were having some dreams, this cupbearer and this baker, that were troubling them, and Joseph interprets the dreams for them, one for the good and one, well, not so much. And Joseph asked the cupbearer, the one who had a favorable interpretation, to remember him. He said to the cupbearer, when all goes well with you, remember me, look on me in kindness and tell Pharaoh about me. Well, three days after Joseph had interpreted the dream, of course, it comes true for both of them. And that's where we catch up today. Two full years passed from the cupbearer getting reinstated. Two full years of Joseph in prison. Two full years of waiting, two full years of being forgotten, and no doubt even though he was put in charge there in prison, there was still difficulty, still discouragement Especially when Joseph has been doing such good work, has been so helpful, he's so kind, he's a good dude, he's doing good things, and everybody around Joseph keeps getting blessed, but he keeps getting forgotten and having bad thing after bad thing happen to him. And sometimes, doesn't it seem that the good we do seems unrewarded? Can you relate to Joseph feeling unnoticed? Like everything that you are doing doesn't matter. And everything you are doing, all the good, is just being taken for granted. It's hard not to think, when is it going to be my turn? When will I finally get noticed? When will I finally get something good to come my way? And the story of Joseph is certainly something. Sold into slavery, taken from his home, not even so much as a goodbye to everyone and everything he known, falsely accused, prison forgotten all along, Waiting for something to change. In the divinely inspired movie, this is the part where he's about to give up. And you know what song comes, Summer Choir? Did we rehearse this? I know Dumbledale and I did. Are you ready? Don't give up, Joseph. Fight till the end. Fight till you drop. Sorry, that's my bad. We've read the book and you... Thank you. My goodness. Where are you? The Summer Choir, we need you. Join it, please. In my mind, we all sang that together. It was beautiful. The people online loved it. Today you've left me hanging. My hopes are with you, 1030, if you're watching now. Waiting is a common theme in the Christian life. Waiting to see our loved ones who have passed before us. Waiting for a cure. Waiting for a second chance. Waiting for that special person to just walk through the door. God often chooses for us to wait much longer than we would like. But we have to submit to that. It's not going to do to try to force it. Because the truth that we find in this text, the truth that we find in our lives, is that God appoints our starts and our stops. We may try to fool ourselves thinking we're in control, make our own destiny, that kind of thing. And in part, that's true, right? We don't just sit around. But we will wait till God says, go, go, go. Not passively waiting. But we wait in prayer, in hope, in action, and in trusting. Because this story shows us that two full years past, God's hand is in this. When the time is right, the butler knew exactly where to find Joseph, or the cupbearer. And if he had been released earlier, well, who knows? Because look at Pharaoh's strange dream in 41.2. When out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stock, and after them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy, full heads, and then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. Because in Pharaoh's dream, the fat cows come out of the Nile and were consumed by the ugly ones. It wakes him up, but it doesn't bother him enough to keep him awake. He goes back to sleep. And in the second dream, well, it happens again. A dream that must have been so lifelike, so crazy, that you're going to see he becomes very troubled. And we're going to learn that this dream was a message from God. Isn't that interesting? A dream is a message from God. Now, we can't say that every dream that we have nowadays is God speaking to us. But we can say that God still speaks to us today. He may use supernatural means and strange things, even crazy things. He can use people. And yes, I did put strange and crazy right there on purpose. But that's why we have testimonies. That's why I love to hear those of people speaking to the power of God who worked in their lives, who showed them that he loved them, who brought change in their lives, He can speak those ways, but more normally, how does He speak to us? Through the Word. That's why we have become a people of the Word. That's why we live in our Bibles. We live as we read and we read as we live. Because God speaks to us through His Word. Hebrews 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 2 say, God, who at various times in its various ways spoke in the past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, And the disciples captured those words and wrote them down. Because that's an important and distinctive point. That God may speak to us in a dream, through an event, even through a person. But in his word, we have no doubt that he speaks to us. Because the word is truth. Because the word is real. It's how we know who God is and who God is not. The word is how we can have a foundation that exists and gives us something more than just our feelings, more than just the experiences that we have, more than just what's fashionable at the moment. It may be unfashionable to say it today, but it remains a fact that the word of God is truth. The Bible speaks in many different styles, but in each style it is true, true poetry, true commandments, true history, true wisdom, true prophecy, pure and real truth. And in a time of ambiguity, of twisting, of choice, truth is revealed in God's Word. Pharaoh wakes up, and in the morning, his mind's troubled. He sends for the magicians, the wise men of Egypt, tells them the dream, but no one can interpret it. Pharaoh knows this is something important, because this is also a story about Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Here's the most powerful man in the ancient world. All the resources still awakened with a troubled mind. All the power still no answers. Everything he could want, and yet he still remains unsure and in need of help. In need of truth. In need of God. this picture for us of Pharaoh is a reminder that no matter what you have, the dependence on God, the dependence on His Word cannot be ignored. And I love this because wouldn't you know it, in this little story, there just happens to be someone who had a similar experience to Pharaoh. The butler, the cupbearer guy, have been in a similar situation and isn't it just like God to put someone around who has been in a similar experience like you to give you what you need to help you through it to point them to who you need but we're only eight verses in so we got to keep going then the chief cupbearer said to pharaoh today i'm reminded of my shortcomings Pharaoh was once angry with his servants. He imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew, that's Joseph, was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dream, and thing turns out exactly as he had interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. Told you, not so good. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. And when he had shaved, changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. The butler finally remembers and confesses this wrong that he did for getting Joseph. And in that position that God had spoken to him of says, this is the man you need. God appointed Joseph's starting and stopping. When it was time to get out of prison when the waiting was over. It happens very quickly and God is there. When you think that God is doing nothing, He is doing one of the most important works that He can do for you. And that waiting and that suffering and those trials, He is building character in you. He is transforming you into the image of His Son, Jesus. That's why we love Romans 8, 28 so much, right? We know that in all things, God works to the good of those who have been called according to His purpose. But don't forget about verse 29, which doesn't make it on the Hobby Lobby signs. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn, firstborn among many brothers and sisters. In the waiting, he is conforming you, changing you, renewing you. Pharaoh said to Joseph in 15, I got this dream. No one can interpret it. But I've heard it said that you can. And to me, this is the moment. You've been in prison for two years. You were sold into slavery by your brothers. You were falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. And now Joseph needs you, or the Pharaoh needs you to do something that you can do. What are you doing in that moment? How would you respond here? Would you say, I can do that, Pharaoh, I can. If, if you'll do a little something for me. See, I know how this works, Mr. Powerful Man. You need something from me, but you also can give me something. What would you ask for? I'll interpret the dream if you release me from prison and send me back to my home. I I will interpret the dream if you will put a hit out on Potiphar's wife. What about that cupbearer? That dude forgot me. Take him out too. I just see him standing over there in the corner. What would you ask for? Verse 16 says this Joseph says, I can't do it. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires a golden opportunity to glorify himself, a golden opportunity to better his situation, Joseph refuses and instead glorifies God. And I wonder what would that look like in our lives? What would that look like to give glory to God in those moments when you could glorify yourself? I'm not talking about the manipulating of the system of like, oh, I've got to sit myself in the last seat if I want to really be first, like this is some game to be played. I think what it looks like is going to be different for each one of us. But the heart of what this looks like, of glorifying God instead of ourselves, is going to be the same for each of us. starts with glorifying God with what we give It starts with glorifying God in the ways that we speak It starts with glorifying God in the things that we regularly do we are not supposed to be children who look out for themselves first but in gratitude and in truth of who God is and what God has done for us we glorify him we live that way text says that God is going to give Pharaoh the answer he desires. In other words, God is going to give Pharaoh peace. When Joseph doesn't glorify himself, this is a much different Joseph than we saw way back at the beginning of this series. He's not self-glorifying himself in front of his brothers and his fathers talking about how good it's going to be for him. All that false bravity is gone. And what's left? humbleness before God because in the waiting and in the suffering the character is changed by God and that struggle that unfairness that sadness and that disappointment in the brokenness God changed the heart of Joseph and while that may not bring you immediate help or healing it should offer you some real truth I won't call it hope though it is I'll call it truth Because those of us right now who are suffering, who are waiting, who are anxious, who are unsure, have this truth that God is working on us, that God is building us, that God is with us, that God sees us, that we are not alone, that our God is for us. That is the truth revealed to us. So when Pharaoh says to Joseph and gives him the dream again, standing on the bank, river comes up, seven cows, we know this. Ugly ones eat them. Then the grains, right in verse 22, the next slide. In my dream, seven heads full of grain. I told this to the magicians. None of them could explain it to me. A few more details. Still no help. So Joseph says this to Pharaoh in verse 25. The dreams of Pharaoh are one, one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It's one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow, and all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten because the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon dream repeated because God established it. Maybe that's pointing us to Deuteronomy 19.15 two or three witnesses shall decide the matter and the urgency of it happening right away and it's interesting to think that God spoke first in a dream and then uses Joseph as the guide to Pharaoh. Some of us wish God would just give us supernatural guidance. We want guidance from God like, uh, what's that thing with the X on it? The treasure map. You're going to take 40 steps. Then you're going to go 12 steps to the right. Then you're going to hop over this and go underneath that. Instead, God comes to us through Christ. Not with a map of steps to do, but with a guide who does it for us. Instead of looking for that treasure map that's going to make sure you know exactly what's coming in your life, we are to look for Jesus Christ. I've heard it said that the Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. I hate that. Reducing the Bible to just morals and missing the whole point about how these things are written so that you may believe in Jesus. You have Jesus. You have your guide given to you. That's what we celebrated today an identity given to August, that no matter the situation, the presence of God will be there with him. You do not need to know the way, for I am with you wherever you go. That's the central message shining through this, that you can trust in all of your resources and all your powers and all of that like Pharaoh did, and it will be laid bare, Or you can trust that God provides for you in Jesus Christ. Because God is the one who told Joseph what to say. And God took all that evil that had happened and still brought good, not just for Joseph, but now for all. And friends, that never stops. It was happening in the Old Testament, it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and it was promised to still happen now. The faithfulness, the goodness of God does not stop. So Joseph continues, and now he starts giving advice. What a moment. Speaking in wisdom. Moving from knowledge of knowing what's going to happen to speaking in wisdom of what to do. Appoint commissioners. Collect a fifth of the harvest. Collect the good. Store it up. Reserve it. Not once is it mentioned that Egypt should then take everything that they have and use it to destroy everyone else. And I know this is a little side note, but isn't it interesting that God is going to create this country, this nation, and will provide everything that they need to survive, but they will also use it to help others. Now, I know they get paid, so it's not the perfect antidote, but think about that. God gives you and is generous with you so that you can provide for others who do not have. I love this part in the story. And I love that Pharaoh takes a look at it in verse 37 and says, this is a good plan. And then he says something that is not seen in the Bible till now. Can we find anyone like this? One in whom is the Spirit of God. This is the first mention of the Holy Spirit coming upon a man. And notice Joseph didn't preach a sermon. Instead He acted in wisdom and in a very practical way. Which means the same for us. That God is working in us in those ordinary ways. And then the text is finally done. Joseph gets made in charge here in 39 to 41. The whole land of Egypt he's put in charge. And while it seems to happen real quickly... In reality, this is something like a 13-year story. And we're maybe at the middle of that. And even though it gets real good for Joseph to be second in command, the best is still yet to come. God still has restoration coming. The healing of his family. The healing of seeing his brothers again. Of being reunited with his father, his younger brother. Of being made whole. Because this story of Joseph is about the goodness of God, about the kindness of God, about God's faithfulness. Through the hard times or the good times, it is the continual, everlasting faithfulness and love of God. And friends, these things are written so that we would believe that and know that and trust in that, that in Jesus we have it as well. That's the hope we see in this story, the goodness of God, the way he works in us, the way he is directing and guiding us, even when it seems like he's hiding from us. We can't feel him anymore. He is there because he is the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, the God of Joseph, the God of August, the God of Vi, Rose 85 years. I'm sorry, I didn't know you sat at the top. He is the God of each one of us and is faithful to us through it all. Amen.